0: We're starting from the bottom of pehei Ahmed Uh Four lines up here from the bottom, where the Gemara is trying to understand how you pay for nezek when it's a when it's not necessarily a permanent sort of damage. What's the halacha for shavas for loss of employment where there's only a temporary reduction in the value? So just to understand here, normally we speak about a lot of case. I mean, there's uh someone strikes somebody else. That um, you look at his depreciation on the slave market. So here, he definitely stopped him to he forces him to stop working. But the wound that he gives him is going to heal completely. So it's just like a temporary loss of employment, but there's no permanent damage. But but here's the key where the circuit where gets a little complicated. So you say, okay, very good. So there's shevis and there's no nezek, right? But the key is like this: if you would sell him today on the market, mamish today, there would be a slight. Um, there would be a slight refund that the buyer would get because Lamaise, he has a wound today. But any medical expert, any doctor would say, yeah, it's just here for a week or two and then he's going to be totally fine. But the way the market works is that when you see someone with a a wound and you don't know exactly what the status is one way or the other, there's certainly going to be a certain reduction. So the (coughs) the Gemara is trying to figure out then, how does that impact halacha? How does that work here? Uh, for the Shabbos and the Nesak, so the Gemara says, "Hey, What's the case? He shook him on the hand, and the hand literally, like, it shriveled. Right? That's a way of saying that there's a disability in the hand. But it's going to be restored to regular health. My, you have a little. Do he says since then it 's going to come back to its full size, so he doesn't have to give him anything? When you say he doesn't have to give him anything, means he doesn't have to pay him. The any any difference in the value, any difference in the Nezek for the temporary loss in his hand. Or do we say, no, the value on the slave market is reduced, so you should have to compensate him for the loss. And if you think about it, really, it, it really wonders what, about this idea of evaluating him on the slave market, like how extreme is that? Is that so literal? Or is that only when there's a real Nezek? Here we have a Tzad, maybe that's not really a Nezek. If it's, if it's temporary. So the mark says, So we look at the Mishnah. Someone who strikes his father or his mother and he doesn't make a wound. So the Torah says, strike someone who strikes his father or mother is put to death. But that's not, it's only in a case where there's a wound. So if someone strikes his father or mother does not make a wound, or somebody who wounds his friend, on Yom Kippur, on Yom Kippur, it's only karis for doing malacha. It's not, uh, it's not there's, no, there's no death sentence. So, what's the top? On the Amr Chai Bakul and your Chai for to pay all the payments because there's no Kilmu Ramine. There's no capital punishment in either case because you didn't make a wound in the father. In the case of Cholovi Yom Kippur, there's no capital punishment. So, what's a case of a, of, of a child who, who struck his parent but did not inflict a wound? In other words, how is it possible to have all the, because we're saying you pay the damages, right? So, how is it possible to pay the five categories of damage if you didn't make a wound? Now, how is that going to happen? There must be a case like us where he struck on the hand. He struck the hand and it, and it got disabled, but it's going to come back. And then, um, and then we say that there's, and we say that there's no, there's no, there's no real wound, and you still have to pay. You still have to pay for all these categories of damage. Uh, says the Gemara. Amri, because of this, what's our point? Because if with, the, if it's not true, if you don't pay for damages in the case of the shriveled hand, so the only case basically pay for damages is a real wound. So then, in every case where there's a real wound, you're going to have the capital punishment. So Amri, no, the case of the shriveled hand is not what the mission is talking about. Ahmad's <laughs> you know what the mission is dealing with, the cases where he, he screamed, he made his parent deaf, but he did not make a wound on them. So let's say he struck his ear, so he deafened him. But uh, so certainly that's, that's, that's a real loss of value. That's not only temporary loss, but that's a real loss of value. Well, on my side, there is no wound. So it's not so difficult to come up with a case where there's no wound, but there's permanent damage. Well if you, you have to make it to be our case with the shriveled hand that's going to come back? The is defending. There are many cases out there <coughs> where you can inflict permanent damage and still not have a wound one of them being, you strike him on the, on the ear, and he loses his hearing. It says the G'mar from a What did rabbi say? Someone who makes his father deaf is executed. Why? Listen to this medical point. You cannot deafen a person without a wound. It must be that there's a drop of blood that fell into the, into the inner part of the ear. So basically what we're saying is, Unless there's some bleeding inside the ear, there's no way that the person would go deaf. So clearly there is a wound. Someone who strikes his father, he may not be bleeding like you've seen on the outside, but there certainly is some sort of, um, some, some, some sort of wound, whether or not you're aware of it. And therefore that cannot be our case because then it would be a capital punishment and then you wouldn't have to pay damages. So now our proof comes back. So the Mara says, No, a different interpretation. What are we dealing with? The son shaved the head of his father. So basically, he, he took away his father's value. There's permanent damage here without causing a wound so the Gemara says what do you mean why is that permanent damage if someone shaves the head the hair will surely grow back new so it's also like our case meaning our child our is temporary damage whether or not you pay. So what did you say? No, no, no. It's not a case of troubled hands. It's a case where he shaved his father's head. Isn't that also temporary? How are you, if you're telling me, in the case of shaving the father's head, that, that there will be liability for damage because of the temporary loss of value, so then we can infer for our case as well. So the pastor says, The case is that he smeared some sort of cream to the father's head, the low hadar, which forces the hair never to grow back. So it's an interesting sort of cream it's permanent damage here it's a blemish that permanently decreases his value on the market for not having the hair okay so therefore there's no proof that temporary loss of value is paid now once we said that that's the case that he smeared him with this cream that's going to make that his hair will never grow Now the one wants to know what the other we said you're high for all damages so what would the other p- p- uh, payments be there tsar you're liable for pain as well this is a he now has cracks in his scalp he cries whenever he has to put but whenever, whenever something goes on there in other words it really there's like a um, these cracks will start will start hurting will, will start hurting him Repoy, what's the medical bills he now has to pay a doctor to take away the, the pain from these cracks uh, Chavez what's the loss of employment the case is that the father used to dance he used to be a dancer bekuve is like you know it's like a bar he used to be a dad like a jester of sorts at the bar so um so now that he has this, the by and he had to show all these sorts of things with his head, meaning that was part of his things, part of the he would shake his head was part of the entertainment that he that he would do. And now, now he's not able to make these head gestures because of the pain that he is, that he has from the cra- from the cracks. So this cream makes everything hurt, which is now has a hard time. He has a hard time shaking his head. Okay, and asked, what about humiliation? Certainly, that's humiliating. He got his head shaved, right? Basically. So therefore, the Mishnah could be referring to this case. It's a permanent damage, so it has no bearing on our issue about temporary loss. Says the Gemara, now now that we've Discuss this point and discuss whether or not there's a riot from our case. And of the the rabba. This question that rabba wanted to know, again, when there's a temporary damage, It was obvious to Abay in this direction. in the other direction. What does that mean? They disputed this matter. The Itmar was said, he called Yadav some So. If, let's say, he struck him on the hand and it shriveled, but so but in the end, it's probably going to come back to full health. So what is the law? The Ma'zik has to pay the victim. He has to pay him the, the 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 major loss of employment, which is a way of saying the, the the temporary loss of value that he has on the slave market, and also for the minor loss of employment, meaning for the loss of income that he has during the time. He, if he's if that's what we call that's what we would call shevis. So the first thing, <coughs> the first thing is nezek. That's the point. Chavez gadol is a way of saying nezek. According to Abai, so Abay holds you are liable. No, he only gives the value of the daily loss of the employment until he heals. So Ralph is saying there's no. Din of nazik, so their alaacha is only that you're paying for the shabbos each and every day that he cannot work. So basically, what it comes out is that what rabba wanted to know is a machlokes between a and rava. So that's the conclusion. that Our issue of someone who, who may inflicts temporary uh, a, a temporary wound where there is a wound, and if you be sold mamash today on the, on the slave market, people who aren't so aware of what will happen will pay less. But in the long run, the doctors are telling us it's just going to come back. There's a dispute in the gemara uh, if you pay nazik. Says the Gemara in Evid Yad Ivri jochaber. What if someone cuts off the hand of an Evid Ivri? So an Evid Ivri is a little complex because he's a regular Jew who just happens to have his body acquired to another Jew to work. He's not like an Evid Kenani where he's an asset. He's not owned in that in that sense. He's not like an animal. He's his own for his own person. But on the other hand, he is temporarily in this situation where he's working for another Jew. So what's the halacha? We cut off his hand. Buy. and the You pay the nezek, the permanent loss of value. That's to the Evid. He has to leave with the full, with all of his um, full value intact. Shabbos ketanah, but the loss of employment, la rab, that you pay to the master because the master paid paid the servant to work for him. So if he can't work, so that's a loss of income for the master. So the master is the one who receives the shabbos. As Ravah Rav says, everything goes to the The better thing to do is you, you give the cash, but what's done with the cash is we, we purchase um, it's like a, a piece of real estate, and then the master gets the produce from the real estate. So the servant is getting back his full value, whereas the master continues to get the produce of the field in place of the servant's work. And Ravah holds that that would actually be better. It would be more beneficial for the master to have such a business arrangement than for him to take, you know, the employment wages of what he would have gotten as a as a paid cu- cucumber watcher. Says the It's obvious that if <coughs> um, we're talking about that the servant's value went down for himself, but not relative to his master and what's that case let's say the Maza cut off the tip of his ear or the tip of his nose so that's not something which affects in any way his ability to do work so it does decrease his value out there in the in, in in general, but it's not decreasing what the master, what this uh, other Jewish person has from his evidivary. So then a all of the payment goes to the servant himself. But in the case that where he lessens the servant's value for his master as well, like he cut off his hand, so That's what we did. That was what we just said. How do we how do we um, how do we pay the shabbes? Certainly the nez goes to the heavy, but how do we pay the Shavez? That was the, the, the dispute between them. Okay, both how do we pay for humiliation? We said in the Mishnah that there's no real way. Everything is according to the status of the humiliator and the one who is humiliated. So the Gemara says, what does that mean exactly? It's not Remeir. it's not Rebbe, it must be only Rabbi Shimon. Now we introduce that there are different ways of, of assessing humiliation. It's not, it says in Avriza. And again, the key issue here is is that the way people are, are humiliated depends on their social status, meaning on their, however much money they have, and rich and poor and so on and so forth. And society will make a huge difference in how much it affects them. When they are humiliated, so it says, the kul everyone, rich or poor, people alike. We look at them like they're aristocrats who have recently lost their wealth. For after all, they're the children of Avim So, meaning, what we're saying is, according to this דבר a meir, is that a poor person is not assessed humiliation based upon his poverty. That would be a huge leniency for the masik. But we also don't say that a rich man is assessed totally according to his wealth. Right, there be no end For what he could claim. You, you really, if you do, you know, imagine go over to a really rich person and you humiliate them, it would be a huge thing for them. So everyone is assessed like someone who had material wealth and lost it. So that's a best, it's an interesting thing. It's a way of saying it's like everyone's in the middle, but it's also like a particularly nuanced point. Like it's like someone who had. Wealth and lost it, and we're saying, "Hey, every Jew is a, a child of Avram and Yaakov." Like it's like a, it's a mixture of different factors there, but it's basically saying like a like a middle class. That's Rameir. a mayor. no, a strong person, like a prominent person, is paid according to his eminence. Hakol no, lowly person is paid according to his lowliness. Just whatever they are. We is saying that we do consider the victim's financial status. <coughs> when, we, when we decide how much to pay. Rabbi Shimon Omer, it depends. Ashirim, if they're rich, we look at them as if they're free people who lost their wealth. So meaning, he agrees with Ramir on that point. Whereas, with poor people, we look at them like the weakest poor person. Words, we view all poor people alike, like the most weakest of the poor, who are very much like, almost like prone to experience humiliation. <coughs> okay, so now, now that we see these three disputes... Uh, so there's three-way disputes. The Lord says, money. Who's our mission? Our mission just said, it's, it's according to the Mavish and So E, Rebbe Meir, if it's going like Rebbe Meir, can't be. Our mission was saying that it depends who, who got humiliated. Rebbe Meir, Kulabada, and they knew. Meir says that everyone's the same. Everyone's treated as if they're a rich person who lost their asset. If you say Rebbe Yehuda, that would be the most sense because what did Rebbe Yehuda say? That everyone is according to their, their, social, their, their, their status and based upon their money. <coughs> but we're gonna have a problem. My season of The Mishnah on the Ahmed Base is gonna say someone who humiliates a blind person is liable. That a blind person has no humiliation. We'll see that coming up. So it's not gonna stim. Stam. We know the Mishnah are not rebuilded. Not from our Mishnah, but the coming up point. And the Mishnah says someone who humiliates a blind man is liable for humiliation. As Rabbi Yehuda says, a blind person has no humiliation. A lover of Shimon. It has to be that our Mishnah is following Rabbi Shimon and he does distinguish between the rich and the poor. He says that the wealthy... Get like like wealthy people lost their assets. The poor people get like the lowest low per, like the lowest poor person. So Mars says no, You could say that our Mishnah is like when the we say a blind person has no humiliation, the mishgamine. That means that was to say you can't take if he humiliates somebody else, you don't take from, from the blind person. but if he is if he is humiliated, we give to him. So in other words, the Mishnah which said that you give the, the humiliation to the blind person, could be a Rehidah. was just saying that a blind person who humiliates somebody else, you don't take money from it. But the Gemara rejects that because HaMing Tani at the end of the Mishnah says, if someone humiliates a sleeping person is liable, but a sleeping person who humiliates somebody else is not liable because he didn't do it intentionally. So, but when it regards to the blind person, it just said, if you're, it, it just said, Mavayesh Zuma." but it didn't flip around and say, but a blind person who humiliates is not liable. It didn't talk about it that way. By implication, we see there's no difference one way or the other. He collects if he is humiliated, and he pays if he humiliates somebody else. So that part then clearly is not Reb Yudah. So the Lord says, You're right. We assume the mission is not reviewed The Mishnah is rather like Reb Yudah. So let's make a conclusion of what we have. There's, the, the Mishnah said that if someone humiliates someone, that how much do you pay? It depends on what, how much money he has. We're saying that that we would have said it could be like either Rebbe Yudah or Rebbe Shimon. But Lamai said we know the Mishnah with blind people is not like Rebbe So therefore we prefer to say our mission is only Rebbe Shimon. Rebbe holds all people, no matter how much money they have, they're all assessed like an, as if they're middle class. And Rebbe and Rebbe Shimon agree that it depends on the money you have. But there's still a slight dispute. Rebbe Shimon says all rich people are looked at like moderate. And the poor people, we say it's like they have the lowest, like the lowest end there. Okay, says the Marmantan, who holds of what is said here in the and someone intends to humiliate a small person, who humiliates a big person. So, meaning, you know, let's say he's trying to spit at a small person, but inadvertently, it hits a bigger person. <clears throat> and remember, Boshes has to be that you have intent, right? You have to have some intent. So here is intent What's only to do with a small person. He ends up humiliating a big person. So he has to pay Boshes. Because I might say he was trying to embarrass. But you only have to pay the amount of boshes that it would have happened if your intent had followed through and you hit the small person. Because remember, it's only if you had boshes. It was only if you had das. And here your das was to do a small amount of boshes. Aviash avid, someone who was intending to humiliate a slave. Instead, he humiliated a free person. He gives the free person the value, the humiliation that the slave would have gotten. So, Mani, who is this price? A Loramir is clearly not a mayor of a lower but I'm not a repute of a Loramir, either. Why? Because we think when it says small, it means a poor person. It means that he's poor. When it says they're wealthy, it means someone has a lot of possessions, someone is wealthy. So, Iramir, there's no difference, right? What does it mean I pay the rich person? The the value of the boshes of a, of, 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 of a, of a small person according to our mayor the rich and the poor equally are assessed right they're both looked at like like the middle class the price is saying that there's different values between the two groups the problem is review later says that Kanani slaves have no compensation for humiliation in our case about the person who's trying to humiliate a slave and instead humiliated a free person it says you give the free person the value of the boshes that you give to a slave according to review that's a big fat zero Potter, According to Reb Shimon, he disagrees with the premise of the whole price. Reb Shimon holds if you're trying to humiliate one person and instead humiliate another person, you are totally Potter. My He says the Torah treats it just like someone who's trying to commit murder. Just as for murder. And this is Reb Shimon Lashitaso. If I, you're trying to kill one person and by mistake you kill another person, Reb Shimon says you're not liable at all. Shimon says, not only do you have to have kavanah, you have to have kavanah to kill the particular victim that you're killing. You ambush him and you rise up against him. You're only get executed for murder if you intended to kill the person that you killed. And Bosheth is not a So he says that Bosheth is also your only liable if you, kill the person you, if you humiliate the person you intended to humiliate. Remember the case with Bosheth, the woman who was trying to save her husband and she grabbed in his embarrassing place. So, 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 that tells you she's kavod though She had to intend specifically for that victim. So, according to Rabbi Shimon, he wouldn't agree to the premise of the b'risa. So, who then is the b'risa? So the Gemara says, slaves <laughs> have no That means someone who <clears throat> that means to exempt a free person from giving them payment. But to assess how much humiliation they get, we do assess them. Meaning to say, we're saying like this: practically, if I embarrass a, 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 a slave, you don't give them any money. True. But they do suffer some amount of humiliation. You don't have to pay them. But, but they suffer it. So if you intended to embarrass a slave and you in, instead, it, by mistake, it had humiliated the free person, you could still give the free person the amount of humiliation that the slave would have gotten. Now you wouldn't have actually given it to this slave. So the Gemara says, <laughs> another answer I feel, could be like, what did it mean, big or small? You think it means big, big in possessions. small in possessions. That's not what it means. It means an adult. It means a minor. So now what the Gemara is saying, now this is a huge point. Even Rabbi Meir, holds that all people are assessed equally, for their boshas, rich or poor, that's all true for money. But he agrees that an adult is humiliated more than a child. And he would agree that you have to pay an adult more for his humiliation than a child. It's not the boshai no matter what, all factors are equal. He's just saying no matter what money it is, that doesn't matter. But in terms of how much, how much boshas there is based upon an age, there is a difference between an adult and a child. So when it said big or small, it meant in age, not in money. Says the marv, but wait a second. That's mashman. That if you if you humiliate a child, you can humiliate, him, you have to pay. Says the marv, call him barbocious. Is that true? Is a minor capable of being humiliated? He doesn't have das. Why would he care if he gets humiliated? Says the Mar- in. yeah, he does. Because I'm a There's a type of minor that can embarrass him, and he becomes embarrassed. There is such a thing. <clears throat> he gets distressed by the embarrassment. So we're dealing with a minor who's mature enough. The machluh machluh. But I think this is quite intuitive to us. We all. A certain trauma from embarrassments that we had probably when we were minors. So we see that there is such a concept in the Gemara. Now, very good. So there is boishes that you would pay to a kata, and that's what Ramirez is referring to. So comes out the Maskana. Yes, there is a, there, everybody agrees that there's not a uniform payment for Bosheth. It's just a question by money. What do we do? Ramirez says, everyone's the same. You then, Rav Shimon, say, it varies for a class of money you have. But, but everyone agrees that a kata does not receive the same amount of boches that a kata would receive. Another big say that we learn is that what happens when you're trying to embarrass one person and you embarrass somebody else, you're trying to put the spit here and it goes there. So what's the law? So if Shimon says you're totally potter, as the other time, say saying you're but you only give to your victim the amount of boches that would have amounted had you hit the, the target that you were trying for. All right, continues the Mishnah. What happens if HaVayishah's arm humiliates a person who is naked? You know, let's say he spits on a naked person. HaVayishah says Sumar humiliates a Blind person. And the mepharshim say he might not see that he got that he got that he got the humiliation, but he senses it. A blind person senses his humiliation. Otherwise, he, otherwise you can say humiliation. Right? What is it? It's all about people seeing. Nobody sees. If you're if you're blind, you don't see. The answer is you sense it. So there is busha on the blind person. Mavayish as a yash or someone who humiliates a sleeping person. All these cases You are liable. Why? Because when he wakes up, he realizes. He discovers or he senses that he's been embarrassed. Yashin should be but regarding a sleeping person who humiliates somebody else, Potter, he's not liable. So, what's the example? Let's say you're, you know, in your sleep, you you slap someone in the face by mistake, you know, something crazy. A story like that. So, you're Potter because you, you didn't have kavana on it. To be high for potions, you need intent. You fell from the roof be ish you made injury and humiliated somebody with, with you falling, you fell on someone. You're liable for the damage because damage, remember, odd pays even for an unintentional thing. But potter all the bushes you're not high for the humiliation. The law is for bushes You need kavana If you don't know Kavana, you're potter. And where did this all come from? It comes from. As we spoke about that case, that's the case in the Torah. The woman trying to protect her husband from someone attacking him. She grabs the the other guy's private parts. So that's a very like calculated act. And that's specifically there where you pay Boshas. It Says the Tan Rabbanon, we elaborate here, Someone humiliates a person while he's naked is liable. But humiliating naked is not comparable to, to, to humiliating when his clothes are on. So meaning to say, he's already, you know, comp, he's in a compromised position at that point. So he's, he's getting much less embarrassment than a clothed person. So it wouldn't necessarily be the same amount. If someone humiliates somebody else in the bathhouse is liable. But again, the same idea. Even though you're liable, it's not at the same value. Humiliating him in the bathhouse is not as much as humiliating him in the market. What did we say? If someone humiliates somebody else who's naked is liable. says How is that true? If a person doesn't mind, mind walking around naked, right? What could be done to such a guy to humiliate him? Like, uh, he's over there, he's wearing nothing. And now you, what, what are you going to do that, to humiliate him that's more humiliating than being naked? So the Gemara says, When it means that he was naked, it doesn't mean totally naked. It just means, The wind came up and bunched up his clothes. So therefore, they were just these tunics. They weren't wearing pants. So he was partially exposed. So that's what it means he was naked. He was partially exposed. Now comes the Mazik. He lifts it up more and totally humiliates him. So therefore, he does embarrassing more. Every guy. But it sounds like for the Gemara, the guy was walking around totally naked. And then, you, and then you do something to him, to, there's no embarrassment. It's only this case where he wasn't totally naked. B'sheveh HaMarek HaChav, someone who embarrasses someone else in the bathhouse is libel, says the same question. B'sheveh HaMarek someone in the bathhouse, can you be humiliated? Because it's very normal to disrobe in the bathhouse, there's no embarrassment. So what sort of humiliation can be found there? Amar Papa Shevesh he did it by exposing him at the river while he was bathing. In you know, other the bathhouse didn't mean literally a bathhouse, it meant a river. And people don't totally expose themselves there because they're out in the open. It's not a bathhouse. And therefore, if he exposed him there, he would, in fact, um, he would, in fact, be humiliating. Okay, says so the Gemara. Oh, this is the famous, famous Love. The tree falls and nobody, uh, no one was there, right? So it didn't make a noise. So here we go. It's a little namish philosophy. Let's see. Somebody humiliated somebody else while he was sleeping, but then the guy died in his sleep. So the Mishnah said, if you embarrass someone who's sleeping, you're a chai. Because when he wakes up, he senses he was embarrassed. But 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 here the guy died in his sleep. What's the talking Is it the var the embarrassment that he suffers? This guy never felt anything bad. Right? He didn't feel bad when he was sleeping and he didn't wake up. it's because of the, the degradation that that, that 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 he subjects him to. It's not about the feeling that he has like, well, the Maisa, he was degraded, even though he was unaware of it. So he's basically trying to say, what triggers a liability? Is it the emotional distress, or is it the objective sense that his stature went down in the mice? What an unbelievable question that everyone wants to know. Is it the emotion of embarrassment? <coughs> even if you did it after he was dead already, then, let's say you re someone after they're dead. Mm-hmm. Could be that maybe that that lower that lowering lowering of status. The other side of the gemara, lowering of status. Maybe that doesn't apply when it's a person's dead. Hmm. So, 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 which one is it? So, it's according It says a dead person and a minor have humiliation. You, you could have to pay them, but show to That a deranged person does not get compensated, right? When you embarrass a person who's deranged, you don't owe them anything. So, If you say it's the way that the Zilusa. In other words, it's the objective degradation that they have. cotton? That's why a minor is shy to it, because Lamaisa degrades a cotton. It's the, if it's the emotion, cotton barboshes. the Gemara's like, is a kid capable of experiencing the embarrassment? Presumably he's not. And the Gemara says back, no, he is. What are you trying to say is the degradation? Let it be for the deranged person. Says No, a deranged person, he's humiliated. There's not possible to degrade a a a, uh, a a shota further, but mikom Let's go back to our question. Forget about the shota, mikom Let's go back to what we said. <laughs> Nishum andayim said it has to be the degradation and not the feeling. Dimashim kizufa if it's the embarrassment. Katamar bar kizufa as a kid capable of experiencing shame and embarrassment. This must be it's the degradation, not the not the emotion. Says the gemar no, just like we said before. No, the embarrassment he is embarrassed. Kids get embarrassed, so we don't have any proof from that. Now the Kumar tries to say. That there's another shot in the question of the person who was embarrassed in his sleep and he died. the person's <laughs> embarrassment. Here he died, so he was never embarrassed. the humiliation for the family. So even though the victim's not here to suffer it, his family has been discredited and therefore he has to pay. So, so very interesting. So the gemara the is now on this side is saying certainly it's about the, the the feeling, but the question is who's feeling? Is it the feeling only of the victim? So in this case where he died in sleep, you're not liable, or is it the feeling that the whole family? Has and therefore, you would, you, you would have to pay. Samar says, Tash ma'achirish v'katan As a deaf person and a minor have compensation for humiliation. The Shota does not. So, mishbacha. If you say that that the liability is for the humiliation, also for the whole family is on account. And that's why the minor is eligible. The family has been, dis, has, has been discredited, even though he personally is not. today. it's about the victim's embarrassment, cotton Barboshes As a kid capable of experiencing humiliation. So again, we know the answer. But be patient. So says the Gemara, Elamai, what are you trying to say back? It's because of the family. And it's because of the family. So you should be liable if you embarrass as a arranged person. Shouldn't the family become embarrassed? Says the Gemara, no. He's already bad to so be humiliated, meaning. If the family has a deranged member in their family, that itself is the boches. Doing something to the fam- to that to that does not further embarrass the family in any way. Okay, so that doesn't bother us. But what does bother us? Let's go back to the kid. It says that you pay boches if you embarrass the kid. That should show us that the humiliation is for the family. The if it's for his personal emotion, Khan sufa, is a minor capable of feeling the emotion of embarrassment, it says the Marma Papa. In Machum the embarrassing he's embarrassed. And Rapapa now supports what he says, but Tanya, as it says in the prize of Rabbi Omer, Khirish Boshes. the deaf person has boches. Show to Ainlow Boches, a deranged person does not. Calling for a minor, sometimes he has, sometimes not. And we explain. The first part we're talking about a minor who's mature enough that they embarrass him, he's talking embarrassed. Then he is compensated. Ha di Michlum mechlum. The second part is talking about if he's so young, <coughs> a toddler, let's say. A toddler, if you try to embarrass him, he doesn't become embarrassed. Then there wouldn't be liability. But as long as he's mature enough. That he could experience that feeling, then you would in fact have to pay. So, the Moscona of the Gemara, we had this unbelievable question about someone who, who got embarrassed in his sleep and he died in his sleep. Does the Mazik have to pay Boshas? Is the Suffolk in the Gemara? But the Gemara is two, there are two very different takes on what the Suffolk is. One approach is, are you paying for embarrassment or degradation? And the second child, is, certainly you're paying for the embarrassment, but is it the victim's embarrassment or the overall embarrassment to the family? Okay, we continue with Avaya's dresses and somebody humiliates a blind person. So, the Mishnah said, you are liable. Which is mashma, as we said, that the blind person who humiliates somebody else is also liable. Why was it mashma like that? Because on the sleeping person, the mission of distinguishing between embarrassing a sleeping person and a sleeping person who, who humiliates. So it's mashmah, when we speak about the suma. It's both directions. If you humiliate a blind person, you are liable, and a blind person who humiliates somebody else is liable. So the gemara says, "My look, Our not, and this is what we pointed out in the Maraf. The tanya says in the price omer in A blind person has no liability for humiliation. If a blind person humiliates somebody else, they are exempt. That is the sheet of rebuyda. Uh, he says that blind people are not punished in general. Exile, lashes, um, executions All these things So so our Mishnah which was marginal? Blind person pays for humiliation. It's not like Rivita. My time is reviewed. Where does he get this from? From the law of Edom Zomim. Why humiliation? What does it say? The woman who grabbed the private parts of somebody else. Don't have any pity with your eyes. But Edom Zomim also it says your eyes shouldn't have pity. So we compare them. Just as Edom Zomin will never be with blind people. Why? Because Rashi says. Because a person who cannot see, how could he testify? <laughs> oh, I saw. You didn't see anything. You're, you're blind. Very, very interesting. Now, R. K. is says, maybe the guy could testify when I had sight. I saw. Now he can't see. Mm. Why, so, R. K. talks about this. He said, what would Allah be about someone who's currently blind, but he used to have sight? Could he be an aide or not? al the n'gmar is mashmah that a blind person cannot be a witness. So, so too, blind people are not subject for paying for uh, for humiliation. Okay. Says the Gemara Mechayve Goliath. There are also Potter from exile. Exile normally is for killing the Shogi. The, 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 the Tanya it says, Below Rose, a person kills by mistake without seeing. <coughs> so probably assuming that excludes a blind person. Why? Because a blind person never sees. Below Rose means you didn't notice, you didn't look carefully enough. That excludes the summa who never sees her. No, on the contrary, we come to include the blind person. According to Rabbi Meir, what's the case of unintentional murder? Someone comes with his friend into the forest to chop wood. That's mosh, anyone who comes into the forest. I feel summa, even the blind person. But now the Torah says below her, oh, it excludes someone who cannot see. For Rabbi Meir, the Torah said without seeing, to exclude the blind person, and then it says without awareness, that also excludes someone who cannot see. Because, How could he be aware if he cannot see? So now what that means is the Torah excludes him doubly. The Torah excludes him first from the words below Rehosh and from the words Bevlidas. You know what happens when there's a double exclusion in the Torah? It's the most ironic rule in the Torah. When the Torah uh, uh, excludes something twice, it means to include. So according to Rabbi Meir, there's two exclusions for the blind person for liability for Golis, which ironically therefore means that he is Chay of So according to Rabbi Meir if a blind person kills someone unintentionally, he does go to Gaulis. Rabbi Yudha doesn't hold to that, he holds his potter. Rabbi the problems the word, but without awareness, that comes to exclude someone who did murder, who murdered intentionally that he's not allowed to go to Eremikla. So according to Rabbi Yudha, there's only one phrase that excludes the blind person, and therefore he is indeed excluded from exile. And what about Chavimisa's Basin? Let's say a suma is Machav Shav, I don't know, you don't kill him. Asa, we say what We learn to of the words murder and murder from the laws of exile. Just as exile is not liable to, so to capital punishment is not liable to. Chavimaukis, in regard to lashes. Asa, Rasha, Rasha, from Chavimisa's Basin. We learn the common words of guilty of Rasha, Rasha, from Chavimisa's Basin. So after all is said and done, we say Rabbi Yehuda's Shita is that a suma does not have any liability uh, SUMA does not have any liability in the court.